Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult Series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Anthony is here for his pre-college physical. He played defensive lineman for his high school football team and is thinking of trying out while he's at college. He has no complaints today, but as part of his college athletic department requirements, he needs some labs and some other tests done. You note the following. His fasting blood sugar was 121. His blood pressure in his left arm at the beginning of the visit was 141 over 86, and when repeated, went down to 138 over 82. His BMI is 32. He denies smoking cigarettes or vaping, as well as any illicit drug use or anabolic steroid use. He does admit that he does drink an occasional beer, maybe one to two a week. What do we do with Anthony and the findings we have from today? Hi, I'm Frank Domino, family doctor and professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And joining me today is Dr. Susan Feeney, um, assistant professor and coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Frank. So Anthony, Anthony's pretty common. Yeah. Um, he's a football player. He's valued for being large. Yes. Um, and his blood sugar is a bit high. Yes, it is. Uh, can we talk a little bit about um, how prediabetes is defined and what we do with Anthony? Sure. Well, prediabetes, um, there are th- what we consider three phenotypes. Um, there, we look at impaired fasting glucose, which looks at a fasting glucose of 8 to 12 hours, impaired glucose tolerance, which is usually a two at, glucose checked after two-hour glucose load, usually a 75-gram glucose load, or an increased hemoglobin A1C, which we know is the measurement of the, you know, the uh, glucose on the uh, hemoglobin. So an impaired fasting glucose is anywhere between 100 and 125 milligrams per deciliter, Normal is less than 100. Diabetes is 126 and higher. Impaired glucose tolerance would be somewhere between 140 and 199. We know that normal is less than 140, and a diabetic diagnosis would be 200. And then in um, A1C, we think of an A1C being normal of 5.6 and less. Diabetic is 6.5 and higher, so that's your gray area of prediabetes in the um, 5.7 to 6.4 range. And the thing that's interesting about these three phenotypes is they they measure slightly different measurements, but each one is diagnostic of prediabetes. And Anthony, based upon his fasting blood sugar, has prediabetes. Right, and they do recommend getting more than one value to repeat it because many times, you know, if he has an illness or he's maybe he's been on a recent steroid for something, that could cause that fasting sugar to go up. But um, certainly he, he's at risk. All right. So you suggested maybe we double check his elevated fasting glucose with a second test. Right. What do we know about prediabetes, uh, especially among adolescents and young adults? Well, there was a recent study that came out and it looked at the NHANES data over the last 12 years of it 
I think it was 2006 to 2016. And they found that um, a very high percentage of adolescents and young adults had pre fell into that pre-diabetic range. And so what is pre-diabetes? People who have pre-diabetic have a high risk of developing type 2 diabetes mm -hmm. and, and cardiovascular disease. So it's not a minor risk. It is a really serious risk. And what they're saying as far as numbers is um, for adolescents, what they found in the data, so 12 kids that are 12 to 18, about one of five in this study had pre-diabetes. So 20%. 20%. Wow. And then young adults, 19 to 34, about one in four, 25%. So um, these are not insignificant numbers. And um, we know that the younger someone is diagnosed or has prediabetes, the earlier they develop diabetes, and, in, and in, um, especially in, a, in the male cohort, they will tend to have um, a faster progression to type 2 diabetes and a faster decline of their beta cell function. So Anthony's at risk. He, he sure is. He's and interested he's, heart yeah. early, you know, developing type two diabetes and premature heart disease. Right, and we haven't even we don't even know what his family history is, but certainly that fasting glucose is a concern. And one of the things that they found in this study is when they looked at the different measurements, the different phenotypes, that there was gender and uh, and ethnicity changes. So that um, in the younger cohort we saw a greater risk of, of a higher rate of impaired fasting glucose, so in the, in the adolescent range. But when you looked between male and female, um, males tend to have, have a higher rate of, of an isolated impaired fasting glucose as their measurement of prediabetes. And then for females, and they think there may be some mitigating factor with estrogen here, um, they were more apt to have an impaired glucose tolerance. So they may have a normal fasting, or they may have a normal A1C, uh, but they may it may be the impaired fasting, or in glu impaired glucose tolerance. So that if we aren't screening, um, taking this into consideration with screening in our patients who may be at risk, uh, we're going to miss. We're going to miss some of these pre-diabetics. Well, so you've raised a good question. Um, do we screen everybody? Um, do we screen just those who are BMI is elevated? What are some of the strategies that are recommended? Well, are recommended for according primary to and the prevention? the ADA, um, it's for kids, for children, for 18 years and younger. Um, if they're overweight, and so that obese range would base, you know, obviously in children it's a little different. We look at, you know, percentiles. But if they're overweight and they have one or more risk factors, and the one or more risk factors are a family history, a first degree or second degree, and that would also include maternal gestational diabetes. Um, if they have a high risk race or ethnicity, so that's uh, Hispanic, uh, African-American, Pacific Islander, um, or they have signs or symptoms associated with insulin resistance, so it's hypertension. His blood pressure is a little bit high for a young man. Sure. Um, acanthus nigrogans, uh, PCOS, um, dyslipidemia, so if you know, if he's got a known dyslipidemia. Or, and very interesting, um, if they were small for gestational age, there's a high relationship with insulin resistance. Wow. Um, so we may not know that on Anthony, he's 18, but certainly in a, in, a, in a younger child, we may know that may be information we need to know. And so we would screen those folks. Um, and if you look at that, that's a lot of our population fall into that. Certainly is. Uh, and it's certainly Anthony falls into this, right? We've already gotten a fasting glucose, so we have, we have done the screen, but he certainly is at risk. Well, in addition then to all the other things we do with someone who's going off to college and we talk yeah. about drugs and sex and so forth, what are we going to do for Anthony today? Well, 
and and this is this is where where we have this push pull in in a primary care visit. We have all these things we need to talk to him about, all the risks and worries of him going off to college, but you know the impact of potential diabetes and the cardiovascular disease that will that's associated with that. Um, he's a sitting duck, and we really need to talk to him about. Um, diet. I mean, he's, he may be exercising, but, you know, making sure that he's um, eating, you know, a, a heart-healthy diet. So that would be low saturated fats, uh, avoid processed foods, uh, high fiber, you know, vegetables, fruits, and trying to keep his weight in, in a, um, a reasonable range. And this is going to be tough if he tries to go out for football. They're, they're going to want him as big as possible, especially if he's a lineman. Mm -hmm. So really in getting him involved, I think, with a nutritionist would be a great idea. Yeah, I think he's he, he would certainly benefit, and he probably has some misconceptions about how he's supposed to eat anyway. Right. So. That's right. And, and, you know, we all remember what college was, you know, pizza, donuts, and beer, and, you know, nothing that's going to help your heart. And he, he may really, um, you know, develop... Uh, worsening uh, fasting glucose and then develop type 2 diabetes. And what we do know is that at least in the adult population, it's preventable. That with, you know, getting towards a ideal white body weight, eating appropriately, exercising, we can, we can actually make, uh, there's like a 50% of people who really get actively involved in prevention can actually prevent the onset. He, he's a tough character, but I think you, you have some leverage here. You can say, gee, if you're, you have high blood pressure or you have prediabetes, it may prevent you from being able to try out for the team. Correct. Um, how do you want to address this? And, and put some of the onus on him right. because he's thinking bigger is better no matter right. what. So. And I might, I might say to him, you know, that why do you think they wanted us to check all these labs? Yeah, that's right. Why do they want you to have this physical? They're worried about your blood pressure. Sure. They don't want anything bad to happen to you. Um, at least when you step on the field, uh, maybe afterwards. But, um, you know, talk to him about, you know, the, the way to keep you healthy and able to play is to get maybe get your weight down, build up your muscle mass, mm -hmm. but get your weight down so that you can have your pressure down um, and that, um, you know, the, um, the weight loss and the dietary changes are going to make a significant difference. Uh, make it a significant change for him. Well, Susan, thanks so much. This is, uh, this is a little bit alarming, but I think you've, you've given us good information on how we can make good uh, with our patients on, on dealing with it. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. For patients with elevated BMI or other obesity-related risk factors, screen for type 2 diabetes and confirm with a secondary test. Join us next time when we talk about milk and its effect on children and adults. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.